gun Ramos looking like he's got one more good run Sips a little shaky But his heart is still true Oh how that dog loves hunting with me and you Sporting dog adventures run The Sporting Dog Adventures podcast is proudly brought to you by Soggy Acres Retrievers. Remember, everyone deserves a soggy dog. Welcome to the Sporting Dog Adventures podcast. Today, we are going to talk about one of my dogs in the past. But first, I just wanted to throw you a quick note. If you like our podcast, please share it with your friends. And also, please go and give it a like, a five-star rating, or whatever else you can do on whatever platform you're listening to, that helps the podcast get out so that more people will know about it and more people will listen. We are the fastest growing dog-related podcast I can find online, and the feedback we have is great. We also are have listeners in over 40 countries already, so that is really cool. But if you can give us a five-star rating on iTunes, if you can give us a like, or a share or a follow on any other platforms, that will help more people discover our love for dogs. So I just ask you to please do that for us and help us grow. Today on our podcast, we're going to talk about my dog Pickett. Pickett has his finished title. Pickett has his master title. He was the star of my TV show, and I believe if I went back, probably on more episodes than any other dog, Um, other than maybe Rommel on our show. The reason we didn't have a podcast last week is that Pickett passed away. Uh, We lost Pickett, and I am doing the podcast today, which didn't even do it on purpose, but today would have been his 13th birthday. It was a sad time for our family. Um, Pickett was a huge part of our business, but when you have dogs, it's not as much about business as these are your best friends and and. I guess my my workmates uh, were when I'm having a down day or I'm bored or I'm sad or just happy, I can go and share it with my dogs. So people would be shocked that we have six dogs in the house, six labs. There's still a huge hole only having five now. Uh, Pickett will be missed under so many circumstances from our breeding program to... Uh, when I watched the show and watched the fun hunts we went on to just a dog that was so much like a therapy dog. He was the first dog that would come and we always called him sales dog of the year. He would lean against somebody and just sit there and let them pet him, pet them for, uh, pet him for uh, as long as they would. And he was just such a unique animal. So it's, it's always sad. It's something where I try to tell people that any day past uh, 10 years old, you're on borrowed time with a Labrador Retriever. They can live longer. Um, Our dog Rommel now is going on 15 and a half, Um, but it still doesn't make it any easier. I couldn't compose myself to do this podcast before today. And again, kind of interesting that I decided to do it today and it's his birthday. So if everyone could say a quick, you know, quick prayer for Pickett, He's, he's, he's up in heaven. I believe all dogs go to heaven. If dogs don't, don't go to heaven, then I'm not going to go. Uh, I think one of the things that made me most sad was, as many of you know, we lost uh, my middle son, Cole, 
And Pickett was always Cole's favorite dog. He would, Pickett was a big clown and he loved to roll around, wrestle, and, and, and just was a very rambunctious dog, even at 13. Cole would always call him up and said that they were like stepbrothers, the movie. Uh, Cole would ask him to come up to his room and do activities. Pickett would bound up into his room and the ceiling fans would shake as the two of them did whatever they were doing upstairs. So sad in the fact that Pickett's gone. I don't know how to explain it, but even more sad because I know they're together. I, I guess almost out of a, out of a jealousy that I would have that I would <laughs> would love to, just to get to hang out with both those two. Um, but at the same time, he's in a better place. He did not have a sick day in his life. He still was built like a brick shithouse. He still could have went hunting. Uh, but all he had going on was he was fairly deaf, probably from all the all the hunts he was on. And he was starting to get a little a little where he couldn't see, a little bit blind. But he was such a healthy dog and had such a zest and zeal for life that... I guess if I look at my life, that would be the way I would want to go. So I figured we'd go and talk about Pickett himself. And we are going to talk about when he was a puppy. Then we're going to talk about funny moments. And then I want to talk about training him. Those will be our three sections today. It, it will be very informative because Pickett was a unique dog. So Pickett was sold to a family as a puppy. And he came back. They had decided they just weren't uh, ready for a dog. So Pickett ended up uh, coming back. So I've got this dog here that's, I think he was probably 10 weeks old. And I'm looking at him and going, should I sell him? And I decided, you know what? I'm going to keep him and I'm going to train him. Now, the problem was at the time, I didn't have many lines in my kennel that I could even breed Pickett to because he was out of my original uh uh, dog line, my uh, Lily Bell and Dixie Bell. He was out of Dixie. So I ended up adding lines so I had lines I could breed Pickett to uh, for putting out puppies. And it's kind of interesting because that was almost an impetus for growing the kennel was, oh, I've got this dog. He's going to be a stud dog. What do I do with him when, I, when, when everyone I have is related to him? So we started keeping other dogs so that we could breed Pickett to him. And he himself was just, he was such a clown. So I had this dog. I've got him back. I started training him because he seemed ready. I took him out and I'm guiding with him. And people are complimenting how great he was doing hunting on Upland. At the time, I did very little waterfowl. I was mostly doing Upland. I realized I'm guiding with this dog at hunt clubs for clients. And he was only seven and a half months old. He had been through force fetch. He was through all of his different training. It was actually a screw up on my part. <laughs> I started training him too soon uh, because I, I basically had nothing else to do. I probably, looking back on it now, I would have waited a month or a month and a half to even do his training. So I've got this dog out and at seven and a half months old on upland hunts, he was as competent or better than any of the other dogs I had in the field. It was pretty amazing that this young puppy, as he was, uh, could just go out and find birds and just perform at the level that he did. Uh, he also pointed. Now, I get calls from people that ask if we have pointers, if, if our labs point, and I always tell them if it's from our bell line or from Picket, those would be most apt to point. With that said, I don't breed for it because labs are a flushing breed, but it's a great thing for a dog if bred for 
the strengths of a lab, it's a great thing for them to have extra in their toolbox. Pickett would point with other dogs in the field, and I've ran, I ran him on hunts all over North America on upland hunts at uh, very large lodges when we were filming for the show, and he would either find birds and point and then get backed by uh, short hairs and by English pointers, or if he saw them pointing, he would go up and back them. So it was really cool. The neatest part was I never trained for it. I wouldn't know how to train a pointer if you if you uh, gave me one and said you'd give me $10,000. I don't train pointers. He did it all on his natural ability. Uh, again, he still was a finished, uh, his HRCH finished title. He was master titled. He was still a very accomplished dog. But he had that one ex- extra tool in his toolbox that a lot of people enjoy to have. And it was just it was just interesting to watch his natural ability as he would do it. When he was younger, I would just tell him fetch and he would go in. As he got older, he would actually be holding points and I'd be like, go get it, buddy. Fetch it up. And he would sit there with his paw up and look at me and he was just frozen. He would sit there breathing heavy, like looking at me like I can't move. And I'd have to like kind of tap him on the butt to get him to go into uh, the cover to go f- uh, flush the bird. I will tell you that of all the shots on birds that I missed the most. It was usually when the dog pointed. I don't know what it is about having an easy shot. I think too much and I miss. So I probably let him down on a lot of really solid points. But overall, what a fun dog to hunt with. He also was uh, great in waterfowl. The only uh, thing that I would ever say about him was he would fly up to the water's edge, slow down, and then ease himself into the water. He didn't have that huge vertical leap out into the pond and splashing everywhere like you like to see but boy he sure got the work done and it was something that was just it was interesting to watch he was the first dog out of one of my breedings uh, that attained a master title we had rommel uh, before Pickett, but rommel i purchased Pickett was actually out of my breeding that i chose out of my female and he was the first master hunter at least that I know of, out of that line uh, that was produced. He produced a lot of great dogs. He actually uh, produced 57 litters. So if you imagine uh, every litter probably averages between 8 and 10 puppies, there are so many pups out there from him that it's just it's a great legacy that he has left. And he had so many wonderful attributes as a pet, as a competition dog and a hunting dog that he really added to the gene pool for chocolate labs. So that was Pickett. Again, the last time I took him on an official hunt, he was 11, but he hunted everywhere from Saskatchewan all the way down to uh, Louisiana. So very accomplished dog, just did wonderful in the field. Now we're going to take a break right now and we're going to come back and we're going to talk about, actually we're going to talk about his training and what it was like to train Pickett. And then we're actually going to end with funny moments from Pickett uh, during his life in the field and at home. So stay tuned for more coming up after this. This portion of the podcast is proudly brought to you by Boucher Automotive in Janesville, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. Now we're going to talk about our training tips section and we're going to talk about training Pickett. And this will be informative for a lot of people because Pickett was an incredibly soft dog. Pickett didn't take pressure well. He would fall apart 
and you had to be more of a psychologist when dealing with them as opposed to a dog that you could just put all pressure on. It had nothing to do with his drive or his ability. It was just his makeup. And this is something that a lot of people really struggle with is training a dog that doesn't have good bottom or soft because you want to push them through things when sometimes you have to explain things and use a lot more praise to get them to kick that drive in. It was a learning experience for me having this line that were soft dogs. I always called them my marshmallows I could hunt. They're like a big, big fat marshmallow. They, uh, they're, they're, they're squishy. They're, they're, they, they, they don't have a lot of uh, a lot to them as far as for taking pressure. But at the same time, phenomenal hunting dog, master title, finish title. So if you can take anything away, when you have a dog that's completely soft like Pickett was, you still have to work them through something. You have to push them through. You do have to use pressure, but you have to make sure you're making things fun and you have to read the dog's body language, see no one enough is enough for that day, but you also have to use a lot of praise. Sometimes you just get to the moment with a dog where they're soft where you're like, you know what, we're going to push it through today. We're going to actually just get it done. I have that in training. Uh, a lot of them are out of the, that those lines where it's like, all right, today's the day we're just going to push through. It's going to be anywhere from 15 to 30 minutes of just pounding through with pressure. The dog's falling apart, but we're bringing them back up, but we're not letting them quit as well. And it's interesting because once you learn how to read your dog, once you learn how to apply pressure to push them through, and you learn, I guess, the the buttons to push with praise, you'll push them through a lot of pressure like that in one day and the next day they're a completely different dog. And then you can use all praise and really bring them up and really get them where they want to work. So it was always a harder thing as a novice trainer that I was when I had Pickett to work with them because all of the books that were out there, all of the series that were out there uh, on DVD, all the advice that I got were for that dog that you could put pressure on to drive them through as opposed to the softer dog that you had to play psychologist almost with to figure out what made them tick, still use pressure to push them through, but also hit those buttons so that you could make them want to work for you. So Pickett himself, working with them, it made me a better trainer by far. It made me understand dog training so much more than a dog like Rommel who you could literally use sentence by sentence on the book and just drive him right through everything because he had everything the book wanted in a dog, which again, didn't mean that one was better than the other. They were both phenomenal hunting dogs. It's just a different style and something you learn when you're working with dogs. So that's it for our training tip. Next, I want to talk to you about some of the funny things that Pickett has done in his life and the memories that I have of him. So stay tuned for that coming up after this. This part of the podcast is brought to you proudly by Mech Outdoors. Welcome to the last segment of today's show. Again, thank you so much for listening. Please go to iTunes, give us a five-star review. Uh, go to whatever, whatever else, uh, whatever options you have on your platform. Give us a thumbs up, a like, follow, and please share this podcast with your friends so we can grow our love for dogs together and put out something that is positive that will help grow the sport of working with dogs and hunting with dogs. So again, my funniest moments of my dog Pickett, who 
just what a phenomenal animal. Funniest moments. I had him once in the kennel, and he... I must not have closed the, the, the kennel door enough or well because he got out and he had free roam of the kennel. I, at the time, I had a desk in there. I went back in the morning and Pickett decided he was going to take a few things back to his uh, back to his, his, his kennel enclosure. He had a stack of business cards. Obviously, he probably wanted to like advertise for me. He had brochures just in case the business cards weren't enough uh, that he could advertise with. He had a Dokken Deadfall pheasant, which, hey, that figures. He had three bumpers, two white and one orange, and he also had a ceramic coffee mug. Maybe he was staying up late at night strategizing on how he could either train me or or market for the kennel. But these were all sitting neatly in his kennel. He took them. He had them in there. It was so funny to see that because here he's got the uh, these items in his kennel, and I could just imagine him going up on my desk, paws up on the desk, looking through it and deciding what he was going to grab, and then seeing him as he was so proud of himself walking back to the kennel. Another funny thing that Pickett had was he loved, to the last day, to carry around what we call as babies, basically stuffed, uh, stuffed dog toys, the kind of toys that most dogs just tear up. He had them that he would have his favorite toy. They generally didn't get tore up because he, he always had them. And in the morning when he was very happy, he would just run around the house for about an hour and a half carrying one of his babies. He loved having these things in his mouth. He would take them. He would rearrange our couches in the living room because he would rub on the couches. Our walls will be cleaner because he had several walls that he loved to uh, to rub against. And our bar stools uh, at our breakfast bar will definitely be in better shape because they won't get knocked over and uh, beat up because he was rubbing on them. But this was a dog that if you had a treat, he would rather have his toy in his mouth than get a treat. And it was just always fun to watch and to see how happy it made him while he was out there in the field. And lastly, he was the kind of dog that when he was younger, a lot of people didn't like him because he thought he was a 15-pound dog, and he weighed 80 pounds. He would run into people and knock them over. He would try to get between their legs to get his butt scratched, and they would have to ride him like a pony because he was a very tall dog. He loved to lean against people. When he was younger, he would come in at about 10 miles an hour to lean on you. He would like slide in in leaning position right into your legs. So he was quite the rambunctious dog, actually very similar to uh, the dog that we have here uh, to replace him, Tank, where just a bowl in a china shop, but all full of love. So a lot of those memories, I could go on and on about them. Those memories are stuff that I take with me to uh, in my heart and, and will have forever. Again, when you're starting with new dogs, as we are, uh, our only original that we have left now in the, in the kennel, and the only dog I have from filming is our dog, Rommel. And Rommel, again, is coming up on 15 and a half. When you have these dogs, it's never replacing them. It is just opening a new chapter in the book of dogs. And I've got quite the novel uh, going with dogs because of what I do. But I have to keep telling myself that you're never replacing a dog. You're just moving on with another one. And those dogs are always so special. And again... At a point when I go to Rainbow Bridge, I'm going to get tackled and knocked over by Pickett and all of my other dogs up there, and it's something that I cannot wait for. So 
I do want to thank you for listening to today's show. Please go give us that good rating. Thank you so much for listening. God bless and take care. Sporting dog adventures run, boy, run. Everything you need is here under the sun.